Hello, and welcome to the Fantastic Minds podcast. In this week's episode, classmates Kate, Tage, and Matt discuss the concept of othering and how it is seen in some common media, including books, movies, and video games. Some of the media discussed today are that of the book The Kite Runner, Ender's Game, and the video game Red Redemption 2. The Fantastic Mind Podcasts takes a look into these various media types and discusses what they mean and how they apply in today's society. On to the episode. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Um, So for this week's episode, I actually want to revisit um, a book that I've already talked about. Um, And I kind of want to expand on it a little bit more. Uh, So for this week's uh, episode, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, the concept of othering and how that plays out in science fiction and fantasy. Um, And one really, really great example um, is a couple of books from the Ender universe. Um, I actually found out um, while doing research for this episode that there are a lot more books than I thought. Um, There's multiple series um, and it's really a a very well built out world. Um, There's lots of short stories and comics. Uh, There's even a movie, you've probably seen that. Um, And uh, yeah. So surprisingly well-built out world uh, that I didn't know about. I, I thought it was only a, a trilogy or, or a quintet, sorry. Um, but yeah, so the two books I wanna talk about today um, are the first book from the Ender Quintet, Ender's Game, which many of you have probably heard of or read or seen. Um, and the second one is the first book from the Shadow Saga uh, entitled Ender's Shadow. Um, these were the first two books I read um, from this universe, and they have really stuck with me since reading them. Uh, in Ender's Game, uh, the concept of othering is presented to us almost immediately. When we first meet Ender and we get a sense of where he is in his world, we are immediately told that the aliens are bad. There's no two sides of the story. It's, it's very one way you are told they are bad. They're trying to kill us. And that's the way that everyone in Ender's kind of Ender's side of things believes it. The aliens are there to kill them. They're bad. They only want one thing and that's to wipe out humans. However, while reading the book, you have a few moments of questioning. Uh, The author Orson Scott Card does an amazing job of planting seeds of doubt. uh, If this is really the one way of thinking, are the aliens really bad? Are Are they there just to kill humans or are they both the humans and the aliens both seeking a common goal, survival? And so when in the end of the book, when the aliens are killed and the humans claim victory, there's almost this sense of sadness that you get. And it's very well portrayed in Ender's character because he starts to realize this, realize this um, which leads into Ender's shadow, 
So they're not really from the same uh, quintet or um, like they're not perfectly in order, but when you read them, they flow together perfectly. They, they really, they feel like they're next in line. Um, so in Ender's Shadow, uh, which is a, a little less known, um, Ender, the main theme of it is Ender uh, trying to overcome the othering that we saw in Ender's game. Uh, the othering of the aliens and how they're just as single-minded, they are bad. Uh, we see Ender travel to meet the Hive Queen and show compassion to her and have these conversations and Ender's character really develops um, this side of compassion that we, we come to know in um, other books uh, such as Speaker for the Dead and um, Shadows in Flight. So we, we see this side of compassion and we see that compassion is what can overcome othering. Um, and I, th I think that's a really important thing to realize is that we see othering in our daily lives all the time. And the only way to overcome it is with compassion. Okay, and then um, Tej, I was wondering, I don't know too much about Ender's Game, but when I was doing a little bit of research on this, I noticed that there's a part where the entire alien race uh, has genocide committed against it. And I was wondering if you want to talk a little bit about that and how that might contribute to this concept of the othering against the aliens. Yeah, definitely. So that's in Ender's Game and that's towards the end of the book. Um, and that's when the humans win the war effectively, uh, and they commit mass genocide against the aliens. They try to kill them all. Um, and this is a really, really interesting point in the book because this is both where, you, this is where you see the divergence of Ender from the other humans. Um, and Ender's character really starts to grow there because he sees this genocide and is deeply saddened. His character is, is stricken, he's, he's at a loss. However, the other humans take it in stride and continue with this othering, thinking they've beaten the other, they, they're done, they've won, and the other is subdued, um, which is a, a, a really interesting way be, to see it because that's what happens a lot in um, real life. Yeah, Kate. Yeah, so I was wondering if, Ender is a little bit younger than all of the other people because I think there's this kind of theme where the where the unlikely hero or the one who is not discriminatory towards like the other is younger and they have this sort of innocence about them you know like young kids won't necessarily think racist things that's something that's taught to them or they pick up on from their parents but inherently kids are some of the most like non-judgmental individuals. So I was wondering if Ender is kind of younger than the other people and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I probably should have mentioned this. Um, if you haven't seen the movie or read any of the books, Ender is a kid. Um, he is, in Ender's game, I believe he's 
11 or 12. Um, and he comes from uh, a family that's, um, it's pretty tough family, but he, you, you always have the sense of he's different than the others. Um, than the other, uh, he's different than um, the humans that are around him. Um, he always thinks differently, acts differently, and, and shows compassion in situations that those around him would not. Um, and he, he gains uh, a few followers and, and a lot of hate um, because the way he thinks is different. Um, and he's showing compassion to, to the other, um, which a lot of his other battle school mates uh, do not understand. Like they, they don't get that the aliens aren't inherently bad. They're not trying to wipe out the humans for the sole purpose of wiping out humans. They're, they're just reacting. Um, Matt, yeah. Yeah, so I've actually seen the movie before. And the one thing that really stuck with me is I want to say everything except for the last simulation mission, quote unquote, was actually a simulation and Ender believes that this was just training exercises for in case the aliens did come back and attack whereas after the last mission where the genocide of the alien race actually occurs they find out that this isn't a simulation they actually just completely wiped out an entire alien race mm -hmm. yeah I, that's really really it's a very interesting concept because you it's almost back to what Kate said. It's this kids aren't inherently racist or sexist or they don't other. They learn how to other. So this this battle school and these simulations were the teaching of othering playing out, which was it's definitely a very, a very interesting uh, way to portray it. Alrighty, so for my portion of today talking about othering, I'm going to look at two different works of literature which employ this concept of the other. The first one I'd like to talk about is a non is a fiction book called Kite Runner, and it's by the author Haled Hosini. And I've been a fan of his for a very, very, very long time. This book came out in, I think, Oh, 2003, and I read it a few years ago. And it takes place in Afghanistan. And there is these two friends, they don't actually know that they're half brothers, but they're really good friends. And there is a little bit of contention between their friendship because Hassan, one of the characters who is friends uh, with Amir, Hassan is part of the Hazara ethnic in Afghanistan and it's been known you look at history that they have been persecuted against and really thought of lesser than the other Afghanis and I'd like to read a, a section of the book this is on page nine um so it's where some just for some background information it's where some of the neighborhood kids are making fun of Hassan for being a Hazra they called him flat nose because of Ali and Hassan's 
characteristic Hazara Mongolid features. For years, that was all I knew about the Hazaras, that they were Mogul descendants and that they looked a little like Chinese people. School textbooks barely mentioned them and referred to their ancestry only in passing. Then one day I was in Baba's study, that's his father, looking through his stuff when I found one of my mother's old history books. It was written by an Iranian named Korami. I blew the dust off it, sneaked it into bed with me that night, and was stunned to find an entire chapter on the Hazarab history, an entire chapter dedicated to Hassan's people. In it, I read that my people, the Pashtuns, had persecuted and oppressed the Hazaraz. It said Hazaraz had tried to rise against the Pashtuns in the 19th century, but the Pashtuns had quelled them with unspeakable violence. The book said that my people had killed the Hazaraz, driven them from their lands, burned their homes, and sold their women. This book said part of the reason the Pashtuns had oppressed the Hazaraz was that the Pashtuns were Sunni Muslims, while Hazaraz were Shia. The book said a lot of things I didn't know, things my teachers hadn't mentioned, things Baba hadn't mentioned either. It also said some things I did know, like that people called Hazaraz mice-eating, flat-nosed, low-carrying donkeys. I had heard some of the kids in the neighborhood yell those names to Hassan. So this really shows that Amir, who is Hassan's friend, is looking at Hassan, not from the way that a lot of the other neighborhood kids look at him, where, oh, he's a Hazara, like kind of the minority ethnic group. Let's make fun of him because he looks different. He's, uh, he was illiterate. Um, he didn't know how to read, like he didn't have a good education or attend school. But Amir, again, it's that whole innocence thing, you know, he's looking at him just like a friend and maybe his whole life he was told that his people, his Pashtun, were like not that bad to the Hazaras, but then he finds this history book where it says his people had you know, persecuted and oppressed his friends, people. And I think this is just such a good example because when he realizes this, and I read in the book when he realizes it and he tries to tell like his friends about it, they think, oh, you're, you know, you're like such an idiot person. Um, like your friend Amir's, the Pashtun people are not that good at all and there's a good reason why we try to persecute them and it's just I mean it's hard to read in some parts because of this but I think this is such a good example of that othering just because the Pashtuns looked a little bit different they had those Mongolid features you know just because they looked differently and probably talked a little bit differently that's why they were persecuted against but Amir the main character has a friend who is part of that ethnic group group and doesn't think of him as any less. He doesn't think of him as a Pashtun. He just thinks of him like as a friend, you know, just that kind of childhood understanding. And I'd like to read a little bit of this is an article. It's called Racial Discriminations Toward Hazaraz as Reflected in Haled Hosini's The Kite Runner. And it says, Halal Hosini's novel entitled The Kite Runner is an American bestseller novel that represents racial conflict between the Pashtuns and the Hazaras, two different races and ethnics in Afghanistan. And it talks a little bit about it. It says, uh, this person did an approach and theories on racism and racial discrimination 
in this time and place. Um, one, another reason why Hazaras have been discriminated by the Pashtun is that their appearance looks like the Chinese people. Hazaras are also seen as the weakest and poorest race in Afghanistan, so they are easily subjected to be killed, insulted, and tortured by Pashtuns. Um, this just really goes hand in hand with what we're talking about today with the othering, because it's my understanding that the Pashtuns in Afghanistan to this day are the minority. And I think a lot of times the othering happens because there's like that whole majority minority playing out where the minority will inherently be the one to be thought of as lesser because there aren't as many of them. Um, so that's one example I have. Another thing of literature that I'd like to talk about is one of Shakespeare's plays, and it's called Othello. I'm reading it right now as part of a Shakespeare class, and as soon as we started reading it, I just thought this would be a really good uh, piece of literature to bring up in today's discussion, because Othello is, it was written between 1600 and 1605, and during that time, the racial minorities, in this time it was like Africans from Africa, they were ignored and they were thought of as lesser. And in this play, Othello is actually the name of one of the main characters. He is a black man and they call him some pretty insulting names, which I don't even wanna repeat because that's how bad they are. And the people, kind of just generally distrust him in general because of the color of his skin. And when he marries a white woman, the some people are really up in arms about that. Like, oh, I can't believe he married a white woman and he's probably going to be unfaithful to her or have just like this incredible rage because they thought, oh, all black people, if they're provoked enough, they will like go on a killing spree and have like, this rage, that's what they thought during that time. Um, Bantio is the father of Desdemona, the woman whom Othello married, and he is probably the most racist person in the play. And he, I'm reading from this article called Racism in Othello by William Shakespeare, and it says, uh, Brabantio confronts Othello on the marriage situation and demands Othello to tell him where his daughter is. And then he uh, he calls him a lot of racist things. This is racist because Brabantio is stating that it is impossible for his daughter, the white woman, to fall in love with a black man unless the black man, Othello, used some sort of witchcraft. A black man has nothing to give to a white woman even though Othello is like a noble soldier. So this is just, I think it's just such a good example of this. And um, those are some things I noticed. I don't know if either my classmates, Matt or Tej had read either one of these, like Othello or the Kite Runner, or if they have anything to say. Yeah, Tej. Yeah, so I definitely wanted to chime in. Um, because these are two amazing examples. And while you were um, speaking on Kite Runner, I actually did a little bit of research because the way you spoke of it really, really intrigued me. And it's along with Othello, it's so interesting to notice how intertwined racism and othering are. Because you can have othering without racism, 
in specific contexts, but you almost never see racism without othering. And I, I think that othering is a, is a huge part of the perpetuation of racism. Yeah, that was, uh, that was something that I noticed as well. Um, kind of literally just within our podcast discussion that we're doing here. And a lot of the examples that I can think of of where othering happens, I mean, racism is very closely involved, if not directly next to the othering aspect. And what Kate said too about the minority groups that really, I mean, that hits home really. That's what's happening in the United States right now. You know, the minorities are obviously being oppressed and they have been oppressed for a long time. And just now, you know, things are escalating, um, tensions are escalating and for good reason as well. Mm -hmm, definitely, yeah, I'm glad you guys um, could kind of interpret similarly to me. I think these are two, both, I mean, Othello was written a long time ago, but it still play out like today where we see people just intrinsically distrusting people that look differently just because they look differently it really has nothing to do with like their character or anything. They're just judging by outward appearance. Um, those, yeah, those are the two examples that I brought up today. And yeah. All right, so I'm going to talk about Red Dead Redemption 2 today for our Othering podcast. So for any of those who haven't played uh, Red Dead 2 before, I'll give you a little snippet of what it is. Um, it's a game set in the Old West um, in 1899. And basically the whole scope of the game is you're Arthur Morgan, you play as Arthur Morgan. You're in the Vanderlyn gang, which Dutch Vanderlyn is the leader of your gang. And the whole entire, basically the West is getting tamed. It's not this, you know, lawless wild West that it once was anymore. It's kind of settling down, you know, people are building towns and cities and stuff like that. You know, lawmen are around a lot more. Um, so really it's about the gang trying to find where they fit in with this new society, essentially, of the tame West. You know, they can't really be outlaws anymore because those are just falling by the wayside as time ticks on. Um, so the specific othering point that I wanna make is between all the different gangs that you encounter in the game. So there's six gangs including the two that you find in the prologue as you play as John Marston. Sorry, spoiler alert, whoever anyone was trying to play it. You don't play as Arthur in the prologue for reasons that could probably be assumed. Um, so all of these gangs are outlaws just like the Vanderlyn gang and all of them are at this crossroads of, we don't know what to do. You know, we don't really belong in society anymore yet we're still acting and behaving like gangs and oh you're in that gang I don't like you oh you're a part of this gang we're gonna fight so that's where the othering kind of takes place in that um so 
as you play through the game, you end up finding more and more of these gangs as you move from different camp to different camp. Um, they kind of are in different regions. And it's really interesting to see because a lot of the gangs, you can see your own gang within them. They're all quote unquote brothers within this gang. And they all are just trying to make it any way that they can while still being lawless, you know, people, just outlaws essentially. So you kind of have this empathetic view towards the other gangs because they're just trying to survive in the same world that you are the same way. And everybody is fighting each other essentially for no reason other than, hey, you're, you're in this other gang. And it's almost really sad to see because slowly as the game goes on, you see some of the gangs kind of essentially become extinct through your own players' actions and just other, you know, lawmen taking them and capturing them and stuff like that. So it's really, it's hard hitting essentially to see that something is becoming extinct, quote unquote, um, because of this othering that's taking place. So one of the interesting things um, that you see within this othering is usually it's for bad purposes. And it is in this game, it causes, you know, rivalries between people that are just trying to compete in the same world. Um, but it's interesting how this othering plays into your own gang and actually keeps the Vanderlyn gang held together. So there's about 12 or 15 uh, members in your gang, including yourself. And Dutch, the gang leader, really plays on this whole aspect of it's them or us. Who are you going to be with type of thing? Are you with them or are you with us? So he uses this othering to his advantage, basically to keep control over everybody who, who is in the gang and just kind of. Um, so the other big portion of othering that is seen in the game as well um, is one of the gang members, Micah, who you really come to not like throughout the game series for very good reasons. Um, he actually betrays your entire gang based on this aspect of the othering as in, well, you know, he's kind of looking ahead in the future. He doesn't see a place for all these gangs anymore. And he kind of uses himself as the other and says, well, it's either me or my gang. So I'm going to go to the lawmen and basically rat out my entire gang. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see how the othering happens on so many different levels once you start analyzing things like this. Oh, and I think Tej has something. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to chime in here because uh, as you were just speaking about it, um, this idea of the othering tied to survival and how it's othering is almost a, a human instinct for survival. Like it's me or it's them. So you other the people around you to prioritize your own survival, um, which is a, a very interesting way that othering plays into our society in real life. Right. I think that's a, that's a really interesting point that that's kind of where this the othering um, roots itself is in our survival, basically. Oh, they're not like me. They're different. 
I have to survive. I have to keep myself alive type of thing. So it's, it's really interesting to think about it as this might, you know, this is probably where this comes from. And yeah, Kate. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting to me that irony that I'm doing this for my own survival could be putting those people at risk. So it could be hurting their survival too. If people start going after them and, you know, attacking them. That's so interesting. Definitely. Yeah. And it's interesting how we see that play out in, in the real world um, in the sense of like putting yourself before others and othering to, to survive in the real world is, is almost not necessary. And that's where it comes full circle and it, the othering just turns into racism. Right, I definitely agree with that. It's, I mean, this was set a hundred years ago and it was for their survival, quote unquote. But now in the time that we live in, this, this othering doesn't lead to anything good. You know, it leads to a lot of racial tendencies. I mean, that that's all based upon othering. You know, oh, they're not like me. Um, when really we, we're all the same. Yeah, we might look different, but we're all, we're all people, you know? So yeah, it's, it's interesting how this is kind of seems outdated to us in a way. All right. And that is it on today's episode. Uh, we really had a great time talking about this concept of othering and how it applies to some of the media that we're interested in. Um, until next week, stay tuned and keep listening to our podcast.